the What's on Reading podcast, brought to you with Atlantic Garden Media. Hello, and welcome to a very different edition of the What's on Reading podcast, because obviously following the government advice and instruction, pretty much nothing is on in Reading at the moment. But we wanted to continue to talk to you and to record a podcast this month to kind of talk about how Reading's arts and cultural community are coping with these massive changes to how we we do our, our things. So I have got three guests with me who are all kind of coping in slightly different ways. We have from the Are You Listening Festival, Dave Moore from Stand and Deliver Comedy. We have have Rodders and from South Street we have John Luther the artistic director so say hello everyone hello everyone hello hello you're all from sort of very different corners of the arts and cultural spectrum I guess but you're all equally hit by by what's happened I think we're all dealing with it in in slightly different ways so uh the reason why I brought each of you on is is because of how you're dealing with it. So I'm going to go first to to Dave because Are You Listening is probably, and I think I can say this without much criticism or or complaint, Are You Listening is probably the the biggest event due to hit April in Reading that there is, I would say, and has been for, what, eight years now? And and obviously we're we're reaching an April where that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So the festival was meant to be taking place on Saturday 25th of April, so obviously later this month. um, But obviously the situation we're in that's no longer happening so we've managed to move it to now Saturday the 10th of October and that in itself was um, quite challenging but um, I believe we've managed to kind of keep it afloat and hopefully come October things are bit more normal hopefully yeah i would i would hope that things are a bit more normal by october i mean with with all the the venues and what over 70 acts it, it can't be easy moving it lock stock and barrel from from one date to another no it was it was challenging and very stressful and intense if i'm being honest obviously it wasn't something that was in the plan <laughs> trying to adapt to the you know what was a very fast it was still is a fast moving situation so i think the key thing for us i can't i mean time now is kind of all a bit blurred so kind of it was too or three weeks ago but in the last month we were obviously sort of monitoring the situation I guess everyone was and wondering what was going to potentially happen and then I remember about I can't remember, like two, two, three weeks ago now. It was like on the Monday and we were like, we looked to maybe look at alternative decks we can as like a plan B option. And I think by the Tuesday lunchtime afternoon, we felt we needed to put out a statement because everyone was saying that's what we're looking to do. And then by the time it got to sort of like the Wednesday, Thursday, it became very clear that was going to be the options. And by the Friday, it was obvious that we'd had no choice but to look to move it. So it's quite fortunate that I managed to find a day that all the venues could do because that was quite challenging. That, you know, some had more availability than others and obviously other venues with other commitments. So then once we managed to kind of get the date sort of firmed up or what was looking to be the date that we were going to go with, which is the October date, then it was obviously speaking to all the acts and trying to think who could do the new date. And um, I've heard back from pretty much all of them now. There's still a couple of stragglers, I think, left. But we've managed to retain pretty much the whole lineup, which to be fair, you know, I'm very happy with that, really. I'll take that over potentially not having any lineup. <laughs> we could have been possibly the worst case scenario. So um, we've got over, yeah, so out of the sort of 70 odd act, we've got, I think, 65 or something, like pretty much all of them. So yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good situation to be in considering where we're at, so it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, that, that's great to be able to get such continued support from from everyone who was involved, because I, I guess there's a, a slight question of at what point would it, in terms of the lineup, would you have said, oh God, is it even worth doing it? <laughs> or, or were you hoping you'd never get to that question? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it, it probably didn't really cross my mind because I was just, 
I think we were just so conscious of it was you know such a far fight really. I think we were just conscious of trying to get a date, let alone the acts. I think. Um, I mean, I, th- I think also it's worth pointing out that you know all the bands and their management and, and the agents and all the venues, everybody's been very supportive and have tried to make it work, which has obviously helped us a lot. And I think a lot of them appreciate that we've managed to turn it around pretty quick. Well, as quick as we could, considering how fast the situation has been unfolding, and obviously before the the lockdown, it was even more crazy than it is now in a different type of way. I think if we found a situation where, say, half the night had gone, it would have been a bit of a blow. But then on the flip side, if, if trying it, trying it for a positive, I suppose we'd have you know maybe what six months or whatever it is till you know till October to try and fill those slots. So, um, but thankfully yeah. that hasn't happened. And Touchwood, everyone that said they can do it will still be okay to do it come October. Then it's just a case of trying to fill. We need to, we need to find a couple of headliners and some other slots to fill. But um, I said it could have been a lot worse. So I'll, I'll take that considering where we're at. Really, with everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you've you've come out of this. Realise you're about to sound really patronising. There, you've come out of this really well, Dave. No, um, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, considering the fact that that many other festivals this year are simply postponing entirely till next year, that yeah. you were able to to dig in and fight and find another date. I think it's it's going to be a, a fantastic festival when it does come round in October. For for those listeners who don't really know a lot about Are You Listening, could you just go a little bit into to what it is and obviously the cause that you're raising money for? Are You Listening is a multi-venue festival around the town centre essentially. I think we have eight venues in total and let's say about 70 odd acts normally and uh, people buy a wristband go see as many bands as you can fit in during that time and it's all in aid of Ready Mancap, which is a lo- local learning disability charity and that was another reason where we were keen to try and maintain it because it's, it's a key fundraiser for them. I mean, it's the biggest income they generate in a single event throughout the year. Obviously, because the situation we're all in, the charity have had to close their office, they've had to close all their support so they do to their clients. So they're not getting any income through like classes and other events that and other events they would do with their clients. So they're also in a difficult position themselves with being a small charity. And also, they don't get any... I think a lot of people assume they get support from Mencap, from Royal Mencap, but, which they don't. So they're independently funded. And I think it's gets a basis new the name really since like the badging of it really so yeah so that was another reason another motivation to try and keep it going was was the fact that it's such a big a big fundraiser for the charity themselves I think as well I think if we were a for an outdoor event I think, I think we probably would have had no choice but we probably would have had to have cancelled it you know moved it to next year but because we're an indoor event we're fortunate the fact that it gives you a bit more flexibility and uh, it just happens that we were obviously really lucky to find a date that all the venues could do because naively I thought oh I might have like two or three options and it turned out there was only one option <laughs> in the end so uh, <laughs> I guess that is a fairly neat segue then over to uh, our next guest which is John Luther from South Street because South Street is one of the Are You Listening venues but obviously Are You Listening is is far from the only thing that happens at South Street so John you've been in a very interesting position of having to reschedule more than just one event at the moment Yeah that's right so I I, I haven't actually counted it up it's just been such a whirlwind but um, I think we've had to reschedule about 30 events so far and um, and they're still going I, I can't imagine the, the kind of the the number of plates that have to spin when it, it comes to doing something like that how would you even start the logistics of of rescheduling what two three months worth of shows 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was really really difficult. One of the main challenges was that I'd already semi-programmed the autumn, so there was already quite a lot of shows in there. And I think if it had been a two or three weeks further on, it would have been even more difficult because it was just at that kind of cusp of time where I'm trying to kind of get the autumn program bedded in. But luckily, we did have some dates. And um, so the main challenge really was that lots and lots of promoters and artists and companies that I was working with were all asking, "What's your availability in the autumn?" So I was sending very similar dates out to a lot of people saying, please note I've offered these to other people. So if there's a really good date for you, get back to me quickly so that I'm knocked up, you know. And we did have a couple of occasions where people came back with the same date. And obviously the first one that came back, I'd said, yes, that's fine, penned it in. Somebody else came back and said, actually, sorry, that's already gone. Um, anything else that we can make it work? So it was kind of, there, there was some, there were definitely some plates spinning. The other thing is, it's really important to, um, in a program of events where you've got kind of multi art forms going on, is to have a nice blend through different weeks. So you don't want to have a whole week of comedy or a whole week of drama because that kind of challenges your audiences to come out two, three nights in a row. So there's lots of complexity to it, which some of which I had to, you know, just throw out the window and just. <laughs> do what I could do but um yeah it was it was challenging but I think we've done it but I guess with all that John that um there must have been some some difficult emails or possibly difficult phone calls because obviously everyone's in a very similar situation this is ultimately these entertainers livelihoods uh yes there were some tricky conversations I, I think one of the things that I'm very proud of South Street is that it's had a lot of integrity over the years and we've built relationships with artists and with their management and agents where that's um, that's the case I mean of, most of the time at the level South Street's at I'm dealing directly with the artists and companies but sometimes we're working with agents all of them understand the situation they also understand South Street's kind of uh, uh, integrity around this kind of stuff so we have in every single instance we've attempted to reschedule the show so that that income will be available to that artist at some point. Now, we understand that some for some of them who are really kind of quite hand-to-mouth, the fact that they are delayed this income until the autumn when they would have been earning it now is quite tricky. And where we can, we said to people, we can maybe get this paid a bit earlier. But while the situation is still going on, there is still, I hate to say this, and I hope this doesn't panic everybody, but there is the possibility that we might still be in this situation in the autumn so so we've got to be a bit careful about <laughs> paying people before things have actually happened but we're trying our hardest to honor artists and to, to look at their art their situations so in one instance sarah nichols who does this wonderful uh pian- inside out piano she rebuilds pianos and this beautiful shows she's made this show that's coming at the end of april and um it for her she couldn't go out in the autumn because of other commitments and um, this was her time to tour this show and so she's managed to create a live version she's working with a incredible sound engineer and a binaural um, sound artist to create a version of it that the tour um, partners can host on their websites or or have a private link to her website so that audiences can retain their ticket have this link and and, and listen to this and and watch this beautiful show and we're really honored to be able to do that and so we're sorting that out for for audiences and we're honoring her fee we will pay her her exact 
fee that we agreed originally so that she's um, she's not out of pocket. I mean, that's wonderful. Being able to, to bring that online instead of, of losing it altogether is 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 amazing. And so tickets are still, are still on sale. And what date is that? So it's on the 30th of April. And yes, tickets are still available. So if you buy a ticket, we will email you on the day the private link to see that performance um, on Sarah's website. So yeah, we obviously highly recommend that people do that. It enables us to bring back some money and enables us to, to still pay the fee to Sarah and keep that artist um, in bread and butter. <laughs> well, that's that, that's wonderful. And that also manages to serve wonderfully as a segue to our next guest, because for those of you who've been following the, the What's On Reading uh, website and, and on social media, we've been doing a lot about finding other events that are happening online, events, activities, workshops, anything that is sort of created by the arts and culture and heritage community in Reading, bringing their stuff online. And we have a whole list of those on the website. So if you've not found that yet, go and take a look. It's updated very, very regularly. But one of the first names that got on the list and one of the first people who I was aware of of doing this sort of thing is our next guest, which is Rodders. Oh, hello. Uh, Laughmeister General, I suppose, of uh, Stand and Deliver Comedy Club. I'm the founding father, chief executive officer and spiritual leader of the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club up above Smoking Billies. That is quite the title. I imagine it's very small print on your business cards. Yeah, I'm, I, I didn't have a discount code for Vista print, so I wasn't going to spend too much money. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of the first that I was aware of to, to sort of bring your shows online. It's very, very sad for everyone involved in the arts at the moment, and it's it's. Like, I, I feel really sad for my venue. I, I miss my audiences. I miss talking to Bill, the owner, and all his staff. Because the show has been there for four years. So we've, we're have we well in, embedded in that in that place. So to suddenly have to cancel a show because of things... I don't think in the four years we've ever actually cancelled a show. So to have something like this dwarf it, I thought, well, I don't want people to forget about us. And also, I don't want people to be too sad. I think that laughter is very, very important. Although a doctor will never prescribe it, it is, you know, quite a good medicine or placebo you will feel better for, for laughing unless, <laughs> unless you've got, you know it's not good for those muscles but uh, what we've done we've, uh, we've got a massive archive of shows that we've filmed so we've decided to start publishing those and they include people such as Trevor Locke who you might have heard on Russell Brand's radio show so we've got permission from some of these artists to publish full sets and these have never ever been seen other than for the 40 to 50 people that attend our exclusive comedy club so we're, we're putting up some exclusive content we're just doing what I can we have an archive of podcasts we're publishing and we are hopefully going to be doing some live podcasts as well uh, we're just a trying to keep stand and deliver comedy club alive because it, you know it's my baby i've been looking after it for four years i've got a great deal of affection towards it and i, I love my audience members and also it's my little way of trying to help people through this and it's it, it's a it's a wonderful way and i think as i say you were one of the first that, that i knew was doing it and i think those early people like yourself doing that has kind of helped spur the community on to say yes there are ways that we can get our art out to the community in in these times when the community can't get out to the art that's that's not the only thing that you do because i understand that you also uh, you're no stranger to a microphone in a studio i've been volunteering at hospital radio reading for, for for many years and uh well we we weren't able to to access the studios while this has been going on so what we've been doing the last week or so our wizard of an engineer has somehow managed to make it possible for us to do radio shows from our homes and back to the uh to the Royal Barks. The radio might seem like a bit of an anachronism nowadays because we've got smartphones and Spotify and all that kind of thing. But what hospital radio provides is an actual company. There's something very reassuring about it. And 
now that they've restricted ward visiting totally, some of these people are isolated in the true sense. The only human contact some of the people in the Royal Barks are having now are from the ward staff that are looking after them. And so we've been trying our best to keep Hospital Radio Reading on the air. It's been on the air for over 60 years, and we weren't going to let something uh, as small as a pandemic take it off the air. So uh, <laughs> myself, Gerard and Jonathan and all my other colleagues have been trying our best to keep the good ship HRR sailing into people's ears. Well, there's an image. <laughs> um, <laughs> sailing into people's ears. It's lesson number one in, in radio and, and podcasting. Yes, absolutely. It, it is. And and much much like that, obviously, this, this podcast is, is being recorded from, from definitely two, more than two metres distance between all of us because we're all in our respective homes and with whatever kit is available to make this possible. What you were saying about hospital radio being company and, and, and companionship for the people in, in the Royal Box is really, really good and really, really valuable. It's awful. And I, I don't know if you've ever, I've, I've never been touched with, I've never had a long-term stay in hospital, but a lot of my friends have. And it's scary and lonely being in hospital at the best of times, let alone when something like this is going on. It must make it a hundred times worse. Well, I'm sure that your witty banter on the radio puts uh, a lot of smiles on a lot of faces in what is very clearly a, a, a troubling time for everyone. Thank you. John, if we can come back to you, because you've been off helping out, because South Street is a, is a council venue, but uh, you've been doing other jobs for the council in the past week or so as well. Yeah, that's right. I, I spent the first week in lockdown with an incredible amount of work rescheduling the programme. And um, slowly, that obviously, as South Street was mothballed, shut to the public and the rescheduled shows started to happen I put the shows back up on the website etc the, the work started to dwindle I'll be honest and um, and although I need to keep things ticking over we still have to do compliance checks at South Street and I go in me and my colleague go in once a day to, to check the building make sure there's no break-ins leaks all that kind of stuff I, I have some time on my hands and other departments were redeploying to enable residents of Reading who are vulnerable or shielded from going out who can't get hold of essential supplies food toilet roll all that kind of stuff uh, Reading Borough Council undertaken to deliver parcels to them and they needed drivers so I um, volunteered so I'm spending my mornings on my laptop at home just keeping South Street ticking over my afternoons driving vans around Reading getting to know all the nooks and crannies delivering parcels to people that really need them oh amazing and that yeah that is wonderful it really is a time that that we as a as a town as a community need to come together as best we can so between obviously the the goodwill and the the wonderful wonderful things that that you're doing and of course making sure that people stay entertained in their homes during this period of lockdown. We're doing everything we can to help get through this as a community, which I think is probably a good moment to end on. I'm just going to say thank you to all three of my guests. Uh, once again, thank you to Dave. Thank you very much. Thank you to Rodders. Oh, no worries. And thank you to John. It's a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll be back again for another podcast next month. It may be similar circumstances to this. We may have much happier news to talk about and the town may be a bit more alive. But until then, please stay safe and hopefully see you on the other side. The What's on Reading podcast was produced by Atlantic Garden Media.